0: Welcome to Mental Wealth for Entrepreneurs podcast, a podcast for resilient entrepreneurs. I'm Katrina Thomas, your host, and today I have a pleasure to chat with Michael Freeman, MD, a professor of psychiatry of University of California, San Francisco School of Medicine. Michael is also a practicing psychiatrist and psychologist and an executive coach who works with entrepreneurs seeking to understand and manage their mental health. He's also a serial entrepreneur who recently launched Icona, a mental wealth and well-being accelerator for entrepreneurs.:
1: Hi, Michael. Hi, Katarina. Thank you for having me as a guest.:
0: Thank you for coming to the show to, to, to the program. I've just, I've just done a, a short introduction about you, but um, you are uh, pretty much of a celebrity uh, when it comes to mental health for entrepreneurs. So I, I'm really glad to have you on the program.
1: Well, it's a pleasure for me to be here, and I appreciate that you're making this a focus for your work because I think the more people can engage in this conversation, the more likely we are to just normalize the idea that entrepreneurs are a little bit different from your average bear and that that's what gives them the special sauce that they need to create companies, grow the economy. Create jobs. But that special sauce uh, is associated with a couple of vulnerabilities. And I think if people can begin to accept that and see the big picture, we're going to be able to have a lot healthier and happier entrepreneurs out there. So thank you for creating a platform to have a conversation about that issue.
0: No, thank you for, for, for sharing your thoughts on, on this. But uh, you've been doing this for quite a while, you've been doing research on mental health. Uh, especially focusing on uh, entrepreneurs, how long you've been uh, researching this topic?
1: Research—it um, depends on what you mean by research. But I first started observing the mental health differences among entrepreneurs twenty years ago. At that oh. time, I was a CEO of a company. Uh, I was a co-founder and a CEO, and my. Uh, company at that time had about 300 corporate members, corporate partners, and a bunch of them were startups and early stage companies. By that time, I had finished all my psychiatric training and I was able to recognize that the founders had, many of them had mental health differences that popped out. I could really, you know, see it with my training and background. So in terms of the research, the hypothesis began to evolve about 20 years ago. And then actual formal research in studies conducted with academic colleagues, I would say last seven years, probably, we've been doing that that kind of research. And the data, uh, by the way, and you may have seen the data, but it confirms my original impression that, yep, in fact, there are a lot of mental health issues among entrepreneurs. With it's what, in part, makes them great, and it's in part what makes them fragile.
0: Yeah, because you um, you published a paper in two thousand fifteen. Are entrepreneurs touched by fire.
1: Correct. And
0: in that paper, you found well, you've um, you've identified some. Uh, Possible, uh, yeah, correlation between the mental health and entrepreneurs, if I interpret the results correctly, and um, um, yeah, my mental health and 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 the entrepreneurship, you, you found some correlation, um, but your recent study uh, published in two thousand nineteen, which was um, that has been cited on many websites, including Forbes, it's also kind of. Conf- um, con- confirming this and, and providing more more details um, on the relationship uh, between entrepreneurship and and the mental health uh, health uh, conditions in entrepreneurs. However, so, my my question is, um, uh, uh, well, first of all, uh, if you can just um, a little bit explain to listeners who haven't read that study, uh, what were the main findings of the study? What was the initial sort of research questions, what do you try to find and what were the results of the study?
1: Sure, I'd be happy to summarize that. And um, also let you know that uh, we've had a bunch of other papers published since that time. Uh, My colleague, uh, Dr. Sherry Johnson, uh, from a professor of psychology at UC Berkeley is the principal author on probably the majority of those studies. So if you want to look up our other research, just go on Google Scholar and search on her name. We've got a bunch of co-authors. We have kind of a nice group of of, uh, of scholars and researchers kind of looking at this issue right now. But you asked about the principal findings. Um, and I'm going to include findings that come c- came from another study that we have completed, but it hasn't been published yet. Nonetheless, they all tend to point in the same direction. Okay. Finding number one, a hundred percent of entrepreneurs have a personality. Now, what is a personality? Personality is a predisposition to respond to the same circumstance in more or less the same way most of the time. Um, You are a Uh, ambitious entrepreneur starting a podcast, creating a business empire, and you like to take risks, I'm a cautious doctor. I want to make sure I do no harm and that everybody at least survives. And so when we drive up to a stoplight that's yellow, because you're the high-risk entrepreneur, that's your personality. You're going to drive through because you see the opportunity of getting to the other side. I'm a cautious physician. I'm going to stop at the yellow light because I see the risk of going through the intersection when people are coming the other way. A hundred percent of entrepreneurs have a personality and the personality profile of entrepreneurs is unique. And that's, that's kind of where the secret sauce comes from. Now, with this unique personality each of those personality traits associates with mental health conditions, and what we found is that the metal, by a mental health condition I mean a diagnosable um, a, a, a diagnosable issue that uh, can have can create strong emotional states and, and intrusive symptoms that has the potential to derail your effectiveness as an entrepreneur. So for example, everybody knows what depression is. Uh, if you are an entrepreneur and you're depressed, that has an adverse impact on both your personal life but also your executive functioning and your performance as an entrepreneur. And so it has business consequences, and then ultimately that spills over and has ecosystem consequences. So long story short, there are a bunch of personality traits that are more common among entrepreneurs, very well established finding by now. And there's a kind of a portfolio of mental health vulnerabilities associated with those personality traits. High on the list, would be ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, bipolar spectrum conditions, um, and also um, anxiety and depression, at least as much as population-based rates. In other words, if you compare uh, entrepreneurs with managers, for example, anxiety and depression is going to be about the same. And then which is a big number. Mm -hmm. And so you can't really ignore it. And um, then a predisposition to what I kind of package together is impulsive, compulsive and addictive behavior. And so that would be workaholism and serial entrepreneurship, you know, as, uh, as, uh, Behavioral features people can relate to, but also, you know, more likely to live it up when you're networking at a cocktail party. So, that I would say is kind of the overall package that by and large we see most commonly among entrepreneurs. Now, everybody's going to want to know do all entrepreneurs have these mental health conditions? The answer is no. Um, uh, Really, you know, in One study, we found 49% of the entrepreneurs reported a lifetime occurrence of one of these things. In this other study that's not published yet, the number was lower. It was more like 39%. Um, So they're big numbers, however you slice it, Um, but it's not the majority. So what about those other people? the majority of entrepreneurs that don't really have a diagnosable mental health condition. What's interesting there is that more than half of them or about half of them come from families in which their brother or their sister or their parent or their child has one of these kind of major league mental health issues. And so um, they are in in effect, they're the, um, they're the, kind of more well ambassadors of these families that are kind of genetically loaded for mental health differences
0: yeah but what i liked about this uh, the study is that i was actually looking for for a word and um you call it entrepreneurial addiction or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, well, that, that's me. I failed two businesses and, well, I had two failed businesses, so probably I didn't fail them, but uh, I had two failed businesses and I'm still at it. And I'm thinking, why on earth I bother, <laughs> you know? What's going on in my brain?
1: <laughs> I know.
0: You just have like a kind of a bug sitting in you. Um,
1: you have a bug it's sitting. In you.
0: Yeah, it's like a bug. So I don't know how to explain it. But in in this study, um, what was the um, what was the? I, I know the size was two hundred forty nine entrepreneurs. But what was the uh, sort of um, um, the bra- uh, uh, Yeah. What was the sample? Did you include female entrepreneurs and male entrepreneurs? Uh, because it wasn't very clear for me. Um, is this a correct, you know, the characteristics you mentioned, uh, are they kind of uh, applicable to female entrepreneurs as well as male entrepreneurs?
1: Yes, they are. The uh, the, the study that you're talking about with the 250 uh, entrepreneurs, that was a convenience sample.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, so I our methods could have been better. But and that's why the study that isn't published yet we used a, uh, a national probability sample. We were very fortunate to be able to collaborate with one of our um, co-investigators from the uh, Sangita Badal, Dr. Sangita Badal. She is a, she's the head of the entrepreneurship practice at the Gallup organization, which is a big national polling uh, and human resource development firm in the United States. So we, uh, uh, the Gallup database was available to us for that study. It was a randomized national probability sample in which we compared a, th- a thousand entrepreneurs to a matched sample of a thousand managers. And way, way better sample, way better uh, statistical methods. And um, to to answer like the prevalence questions, I, I'd have to actually pull up the data and take a look at it for you. But the Gender issue is, uh, guy. I, I would want to have that data right in front of me before I answer yeah. it. But in general, uh, women entrepreneurs are as vulnerable that pretty much everything as male uh, entrepreneurs yeah. are. Entrepreneurs tend to be about two thirds men, one third women.
0: Mm.
1: There's a big controversial literature about why that is. Um, and Uh, there are some mental health conditions that are more likely to occur among women, for example, anxiety.
0: Anxiety, yeah, that's right. Uh,
1: There are some mental health conditions that are more likely to occur among men. Um, I think sort of impulsive, more impulsive related kind of conditions. Uh, There are some mental health conditions that are more likely to be diagnosed among men, but equally prevalent between men and women. Uh, ADHD would be an example of that, Yeah, but I would say that that regardless of whatever your gender might be, we're doing another study right now, by the way, Uh, and if you're an entrepreneur listening to this, you can go to our website, econa.net, and you can take a, a survey. We're doing a mental health profile about the impact of COVID-19 on well-being of entrepreneurs. And in this one we're also asking about non-binary gender um, identity. So we'll hopefully have some data about that as well. But by and large, I would say, regardless of whatever your gender may be, if you're an entrepreneur, being aware of your well-being and mental health and making it a priority is a good idea.
0: Yeah, and also uh, I don't know if you've come across uh, any studies that are actually looking at the causal relationship between mental health and entrepreneurship, because it would be good to know whether um, entrepreneurial activities are likely to lead to more mental health problems uh, in 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 both male and female, or whether people with um, you know, teenagers and, and, and children who, are, who have mental uh, problems in, you know, in adolescence or childhood potentially are more likely to become entrepreneurs late, uh, later on in life. Because, for example, in if, um, say, entrepreneurial activity leads to greater risk of mental health problems, then it would be a good idea for entrepreneurs before they even start up their business, right? And think about finding capital and spending all this money and effort on, on, on uh, you know, uh, accelerating their business. Actually, first think about how to become more resilient, right? Whilst, you know, if, if, say, teenagers and kids have mental health problems and they are more likely to become entrepreneurs later in life, then perhaps... The traditional educational pathways are not are not right for them. And there should be different alternative educational um, paths for those kids to encourage them to become entrepreneurs. What's your view on that?
1: Well, you have a lot of big ideas. Um, and I, <laughs> let me pull them apart one by one. Um, the first question you asked was about cause and effect. And then the second question you asked was, um, "Can you identify adolescents that are more likely to become entrepreneurs, and should we educate them differently?" Let's start with that one. The answer is yes. There is a, a body of research about the relationship with between certain. Uh, teenage behavior patterns and mental health conditions and the likelihood of becoming an entrepreneur and um you know one famous study the the first study actually that picked this up was a longitudinal study of children uh and in the late 1990s and in this sample they were able to identify a subset of children that had ADHD school kids you know middle school um, 13 14 year old kids and they after over time as they followed this sample the children who had ADHD issues in early mid late adolescence were significantly more likely to be self-employed and entrepreneurs and small business owners by the time they became adults. There are other indicators. There, there, there there's a literature on this. There are there are other at indicators in the adolescence of people who are more likely to uh, become entrepreneurs. Should we teach them differently? You know. That's a researchable question. My opinion is yes. Uh, the kids who become entrepreneurs tend to get, be really smart, but have lower grades. And, you know, they, they can be diagnosed with learning disabilities, but in my opinion, it's actually the schools have a teaching disability. The school schools yeah. are... School in, in Europe and in the United States, after World War II, the um, educational system bought into the concept of human capital and human capital formation as a pathway to economic development. The idea was the more professionals, scientists, engineers, architects, whatever that you, that you train, the more likely the economy is to grow. Entrepreneurs do not fit into the model of human capital. Uh, Entrepreneurs live in a different world, which is referred to as creative capital. And the educational methods that apply for human capital formation don't necessarily apply for creative capital formation. And we could talk about that on another podcast, but the overarching answer is, yep, they probably would fare better if they were educated differently. You want to talk about that, or are you interested in cause and effect?
0: <laughs> yeah, why I'm asking about cause and effect is because we've had um, um, we've ha- we've had guests on the podcast um, uh, on, on this podcast who would say that they never experienced any um, mental health problems or, or conditions. Uh, um, I think I'd, I'd say. Such as anxiety, or say toxic stress, or burnout, before they started their business, right? So they started the business, and then they started experiences all these conditions. And then we also had some guests who, who had a previous history of, you know, depression, eating disorders, and stuff, stuff like that. And and, and they kind of are having a go at, um, you know, um, founding a business and and and. and 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 running a business. So it's interesting to know whether there is a relationship between the mental health and entrepreneurship. Are we likely to become more... (laughs) Mental is not the word, probably. (laughs) Prone to mental health uh, problems uh, when we start the business. And then if that's the case, how do we encourage more entrepreneurs if they know for sure that, well, actually, I'm going to end up having... Problems, um, uh, mental problems, um, if if I do (laughs) this. Yes.
1: Yeah. One thing to keep in mind uh, is that those entrepreneurs might have emotional issues if they don't do it too. Oh, yes. For example, (laughs) (laughs) you mentioned that you have a bug in you and you keep, you're on your third. Third go around right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty confident that you would be unhappy if you weren't doing something entrepreneurial too. So you've got to keep that in perspective. The research on uh, on entrepreneurs is pretty clear that the true entrepreneurs would rather be self-employed than to hold a job. And that they will put a lot of energy into finding ways of uh, participating in the economy in a manner that allows them to have a lot of independence and autonomy. Now, you mentioned two different um, experiences for entrepreneurs those who had mental health issues before beginning companies, and those who developed mental health um, symptoms. As they got into business building. And the way that I think about it is that. As an entrepreneur, you can think of, about what do you bring to the party and what does the party bring to you? What you bring to the party is either from a mental health perspective, either you already have had mental health issues earlier in life, things like ADHD or anxiety, depression, whatever, substance use. And so you're entering entrepreneurship with a known vulnerability to one or another kind of mental health condition. In fact, that's what drives you to entrepreneurship. I mean, the, the traits associated with bipolar spectrum the traits associated with uh, ADHD, for example, and those personality traits, entrepreneurship and your pedigree, a pretty good fit. You're That's going to be your happy place. Um, and then that, what does the party bring to you? Well, the party brings stress, conflict, lawsuits, competition, co-founder issues, Difficulty with finding product market fit, Um, friends and family investors who are now mad at you because they didn't get their money back. All kinds of things go wrong as an entrepreneur, and they're very, very uh, impactful. And by and large, entrepreneurs are more resilient than, on average, are more resilient Than managers and employees, but everybody has their tipping point. And those entrepreneurs that um, you have interviewed who never had any mental health issues before getting into it, all of a sudden can find themselves having insomnia and anxiety and burnout and panic attacks and feelings of uh, futility and hopelessness and all, you know, and then they work harder and harder and harder. And then their marriages begin to get, you know, suffer for it. So it really, it's both. And it's, what do you bring to the party? What does the party bring to you? Um, it's you're when you're getting, starting a business is kind of like rafting on whitewater. If anybody has ever been river rafting, you're going through turbulent rapids and from, uh, and, and you know the, ahead of time, you know the most likely outcome is that your business is going to wipe out.
0: Don't I know this? I was, um, yeah, I, I had heart palpitations and I thought there was something wrong with my heart when my first business failed. And I couldn't sleep for a year, I, I, I'll be honest Ooh. with you. I was on sleeping tablets for a year and then I kind of said to myself, that's it, no more. I went like cold turkey, stopped taking any tablets and for two weeks I was really trying to get my sort of sleep back and, and kind of try to do um, try to do a lot of self talk about <laughs> you know. But you know, you just keep 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 going to the time and thinking, well what what I could have done differently to make it a success and you just keep beating yourself up. Uh but then no no one is becoming um Mark Zuckerberg right, or or, you know, straight away. I mean, like in Silicon Valley, nine out of 10 startups, that they fail, right? And successful entrepreneurs often, entrepreneurs who fail, pick themselves up, uh, start again, try a different strategy, different approach, and then maybe fail again, and then start again, and then they they, they may or may not succeed, right? But um, I I understand totally, (laughs) uh, you know, how anxious you can become uh, running your own business, and um, especially at this early stage when you're looking for clients, um, you want you know looking for sales, and you may have a couple of sales, and then you think you know what I'm doing wrong? Why why I can't break even, or um, you know putting all these hours and 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 yeah? So I understand this 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 totally. That that's why I have this interest in. Um, in mental health, um, being a, a teacher myself, I'm teaching entrepreneurship, creativity, and innovation um, at the university. But I'm also kind of very entrepreneurial, and I'm trying to teach students how to be more resilient. Actually, because I understand this is very, very important for the future. But saying that, um, um, will will people even have choice in the future? Because. Uh, I've um, I, I've read your comments about you know your your views about um, technological unemployment. I think you called it unemployment tsunami, uh, and I, I do agree with you. In the last couple of years, I've been working on 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 a book, all to do with displacement of jobs, and um, the conclusion I arrived at is that entrepreneurship might be the only way for people to be relevant uh, in a society. Because like you said, you know, large corporations, they do everything uh, they can to reduce costs, to automate operations and and systems and so on. And entrepreneurship might be the only way forward for a lot of people in terms of employment.
1: That that is a a reasonable hypothesis i I wouldn't i don't know about the sort of totalistic all or nothing um component but certainly if you read the literature on uh the intersection between globalization and robotics and artificial intelligence and uh, automation um, it it certainly seems that uh, greater and greater and greater uh, segments of the of economic activity can be automated, and that uh, more and more and more jobs can be displaced, and it's already happening on a pretty large scale. And the companies that are growing now are companies that, um, in many instances, have the effect of reducing the need. For labor, so your your observation is that there are certain kinds of jobs that can't be automated, that won't are most likely won't be automated, and that uh, entrepreneurship is on the list of that. I'm not sure it'll be the only surviving category, but uh, psychiatrists
0: will be on the list as well.
1: <laughs> well, believe it or not, there are actually a number of AI programs out there that provide mental health services. And they're getting pretty good reviews. So, if you have <laughs> if you have a depression, for example, there are sort of computerized um, cognitive behavioral therapy uh, pro- protocols that you can go through, and your outcomes uh, may not be appreciably worse than if you see a licensed mental health clinician. So, even in medicine, uh, all, all branches of medicine. Uh, automation yeah. is being is being impl- applied. Yeah, but
0: so, well, I mean, even take take education; it, it's all started in in academies,
1: <laughs>
0: and um, yeah, I mean, assistants already teaching uh, students and providing them with. You
1: know. The challenge, though, for your hypothesis is that not everybody can be an entrepreneur. Most people can't be entrepreneurs.
0: Yeah, um,
1: it may be that. We should do a better job of identifying and resourcing people that have the potential yeah. to be yeah. entrepreneurs um, as a way of stimulating economic growth. Because the other fact that is repeatedly uh, identified is that most, most new jobs are created by companies that are less than five years old, the vast majority of new jobs. And as automation eliminates traditional workforce kinds of jobs, we have some social policy issues to figure out. Yeah. <laughs> and huh. it seems that job creation is going to end up being a priority, a social policy priority, which means entrepreneurs will yeah. be very relevant in that regard.
0: No, that I, I I definitely agree with you on this, but I guess it's just a matter of time because if you look at the spendings of large corporations on on or automation and uh, and and the figures published by uh, companies such as uh, Accenture uh, of companies actually adopting artificial intelligence and and the impact on on productivity, I mean it's some, some scary statistics that you know people who will be replaced will be replaced. But of course, like you said, there'll be people who won't be replaced. But then again, even to work for a big corporation, you'll have to have resilience. And and again, uh, I I can't remember the study I've I've recently read, but it was uh, all to do with, um, you know, uh, functioning in VUCA world, right? Because the world is becoming increasingly... um, Volatile and and uncertain and complex and and people who will be employed, um, they call them superstars, right? Um, they will have to have not just you know as you know the skills such as creativity and be emotionally um, you know uh, um, what is the word uh, emotionally intelligent, right? But they'll also have to have resilience, mental resilience as well. So, yeah. Uh, we're potentially going to see uh, a major sort of displacement, you know, displacement of a lot of people, and people will have to re, uh, be reskilled. But then again, will people have, um, you know, enough mental, you know, capacity to to even do that? Um, that that's another question. But going back to your uh, research, um, obviously, you know, anxiety is is quite a I'd say quite a healthy uh, response, right? And in small doses, uh, anxiety is, is nothing to be afraid of. But how can entrepreneurs spot when anxiety can become something more, um, more of a concern, like a mental problem? How can they spot the change?
1: I'm I'm trying to formulate the best way to answer that question. Uh, anxiety is a an emotion related to fear, and all of these emotional mental health um, issues are associated with four dimensions: um, social, social, emotional cognitive, and behavioral. So the social dimension of anxiety is avoidance. People uh, who are anxious can be shy, and they can um, perceive interacting with other people as being potentially more risky and dangerous than it actually is. The emotional component is fear, and as you talked about with your heart beating, and with uh, your muscle tension and grinding your teeth and not sleeping, and um, the the cognitive dim- dimension is worry. You spend a lot of time with in worrying about what might go wrong, having catastrophic thinking. What if this happens? What if that happens? The sky is falling, and the, um, the behavioral is um, a wide range of manifestations, but it can be like getting frozen, like the deer in the headlights, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, typically, people who have anxiety go through fight, flight, and freeze. And if you're in flight mode, where you avoid, or if you're in freeze mode, where you just stall out, all of those things can one way or another interfere with Your ability to lead your business, operate your business. So, I tell entrepreneurs to um, look at these emotions as a signal. Your brain is signaling something to you. You know, your brain, in the case of anxiety, your brain is signaling to you that there is um, some risk or danger out there that uh, you need to be aware of and. Proactively get your hands around. But if you're one of those people who's more vulnerable to uh, anxiety than normal, you could overreact. And if you overreact, you're going to have um, make a emo- you know emotional decision making, emotional communication. Your uh, anxiety is an infectious emotion. If you're if you're worried and you communicate that to your team, your team is going to get worried, and then the whole company is going to be anxious and People are going to start figuring out if they should be looking for another job or uh, you know fighting tactical fires instead of making important strategic decisions. And so it's important to have some tools in your toolbox to manage and regulate your own emotions so that you can still function effectively. Yes, it's good to know that you're having a hard time making sales so you're having – there's something wrong with the relationship between your product and the market out there. Uh, now that you know that, don't have panic attacks, you need to like regulate the emotion so that you are, can think about it in a more uh, effective manner and then effectively – do your hypothesis testing. Is it the product? Is it the price? Is it the distribution channel? Is it uh, you know? And then you there's there's a way to uh, fine tune the product in the market. You know, getting the product to fit the market and vice versa. And you go down that path. But if you are too anxious and you're not sleeping and you're worried all the time and you're communicating alarm to your investors and your uh, employees and whatever, then you could go into a tailspin, and that could lead be one of the factors that leads to the business getting derailed.
0: Yeah. Um, so, so, I mean, it's 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 hard topic sometimes to talk about because it's sometimes you just kind of you go into entrepreneurship. Like almost wearing, a, ro- uh, you know, glass. What's the, what's they call? Rosy glasses. Rose colored right?
1: glasses. Yeah,
0: rose yes. yeah, colored glasses. And um it's it's there. There is also like a mantra. You know, you have to fake it till you make it. And and a lot of people just kind of uh they pretend that they 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 they're crushing it. Right? It's the phrase. <laughs> Gary Vaynerchuk's phrase, crushing it. But in fact, I mean, there might be experience in all those mental issues, and no one seemed to be talking about these uh, issues. Why do you think um, many uh, small business owners ignore um, mental health you know, problems? Uh,
1: wh- yeah, why do... Why do entrepreneurs and small business owners uh, ignore mental health problems? I think you suggested a couple of issues. Um, One is uh, managing impressions. And uh, another is lack of awareness. And a third is not having a safe space to open up about it. Um, I'm Right now, I'm trying to solve the third problem and the second problem with Econa, which you mentioned before. We're trying to create some resources that can help entrepreneurs manage this set of issues more effectively. But in terms of the three blockers, um, entrepreneurs uh, f- experience a lot of pressure to project an image of success. Uh, And one of the social skills that's important for entrepreneurship is impression management. Entrepreneurs need to have a lot of different kinds of relationships with a lot of different people, customers, suppliers, team members, uh, co-founders, employees, um, investors, many, many different constituencies need to come together to form a coalition in order to empower a business to succeed. And so there's, there's a lot of emotional labor involved in entrepreneurship. But as an entrepreneur, you need to be able to emotionally engage with every stakeholder in that consortium. And to um, hold that consortium together, you uh, entrepreneurs are called upon to Um, create goodwill and, and motivation among all of the stakeholders to collaborate in ways that allow the business to succeed. So the founders often believe and possibly with reason that if they were to communicate and express vulnerability within that network, that they may lose um traction that they need uh, on behalf of the business. So there's the pressure that you know to convey a, a level of uh, confidence that may not actually be warranted. Now, um, when entrepreneurs commit suicide and they do, uh, in our most recent study, we found, that 1.4% of these 1,000 entrepreneurs in the national probability sample reported a history of psychiatric hospitalization. And we found that 3% of the uh, entrepreneurs reported a history of suicidal thinking, suicidal ideation. Um, So when these kinds of things happen, you hear the argument, um why don't we just educate investors, suppliers, customers, team members to understand that entrepreneurs are people, and like everybody else, they have a breaking point and they have vulnerabilities, and they're not these you know uh, idealized celebrities that um always win and never lose. Uh, and I think that your podcast and all kinds of public awareness type of um, exposure can go a long way to helping investors and uh, team members and co-founders and suppliers appreciate how, how just how much risk these entrepreneurs are taking on and what kind of pressure they're under. Um, so, the, the first blocker, like I said, is the um, need to manage impressions. The second blocker is stigma, and that there in in Europe and in the United States and in Canada and even more so in other parts of the world, there's a lot of shame still associated with things like bipolar spectrum or substance use or depression or panic attacks or whatever the you know the issue may be
0: yeah i mean you mentioned this uh suicide and i am aware um of you know several uh, entrepreneurs who committed suicide take for example the fashion designer gets paid i mean and but of course <clears throat> um those those entrepreneurs they also had a history of of depression because depression often leads to suicidal thoughts and heightened risk of of suicide. But my my next next sort of question is that a lot of the time, um, uh, you know, doctors psychiatrists they they prescribed uh, antidepressants uh, and and uh, medication and which. Um, you know, if you if you look at the side effects of 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 those meds, you you probably you'll see that they potentially may may in the long run lead to suicidal thoughts, and my might be causing uh, uh, those entrepreneurs commit suicide. What's your thoughts on taking medication for depression?
1: Um, let me correct what you just said. Um what I what I heard you, heard you say is that some antidepressants actually cause suicidal ideation as a side effect. And that is not the case um, with one exception. Um, there are and there are uh, reports of some people who take SSRIs, particularly young adults and and children um, who do, develop uh, suicidal ideation. And what the physician needs to know is that there are subtypes of depression. So you think that depression is just one thing, you know, and you think a garden variety depression. But for me as a psychiatrist, I'm aware that there are several subtypes of depression. And one of those subtypes is the kind of depression that's associated with bipolar spectrum condition you know manic depressive illness and another one of those subtypes is called recurring unipolar depression if you give the wrong antidepressant to someone whose depression is related to the bipolar spectrum it can cause bad side effects and that's why the psychiatrist has to be very mindful and very careful to properly assess what kind of depression they're dealing with before they prescribe antidepressants. When the antidepressants are properly prescribed, they they um, they they're, they're much more beneficial than problematic in terms of, of side effects. So, yeah, two of my
0: family members. I mean, they. They they took antidepressants and they they did share some 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 views on you know and they they, they said they felt sometimes you know sometimes they had suicidal thoughts. So, but again, w- w- what is the option for people who don't want to take any medication? There are How many, can they manage their mental health?
1: There are many many options. Um, uh, medication is necessary for some of the more extreme, some of the more severe mental health conditions. But in the mild and moderate range of mental health issues, there are a lot of of, um, lifestyle and behavioral and prevention oriented um, solutions that people can call upon in order to maintain their equilibrium Uh, You, for example, in your your comments earlier, talked about sleep. Uh, A a simple uh, prevention-related issue that you can focus on is sleep. Sleep is more – and then the second one is exercise. Sleep and exercise together are more effective or equally effective uh, as compared to a a, a wide range of – Medications for anxiety and depression.
0: Yeah, but, but going back to to that time, I mean, it was really crazy because I had fear that I might not have sleep uh, without actually trying to fall asleep. So I would I would I would take sleep because I had fear that I might not sleep. But um, how and many? And then you became
1: have... psychologically <laughs> dependent. Yeah,
0: on- Yes, that that's right. And then I started reading some literature. And uh, I've come across this guy saying, Well, actually, if you don't sleep, you're not gonna die or anything like that. And the number of nights where I was just like watching the cloak was like, like four o'clock, five o'clock. Oh, I have to get up. It's okay, you know, you have a couple of uh, you know, mugs of coffee and you're right. And then it's kind of went back to normal, you see. Um, but I am just just to be honest with you, I am. I'm one of those persons uh, who don't want to take any drugs and um, I always try to find an alternative solution and uh, I also came across a research by Joanna Moncrief she's a leading psychiatrist in the British psychiatrist and she published several studies where she almost kind of well she said that uh, the chemical um, imbalance theory that many psychiatrists sort of um um refer to when they prescribe drugs uh has been debunked by several psychiatrists and she uh published several papers where she she said that if we prescribe drugs if we start prescribing drugs to kids and and frankly i have a four-year-old and he hasn't had any drugs uh at all i'm just natural sure with him and um and if you start prescribing drugs from a very early age, and if you look at some some statistics, you know, small kids today are being prescribed a lot of drugs, uh, then those kids, they grow up thinking that something is wrong with their brain and they, uh, they won't take responsibility for their actions. To our conversation about entrepreneurship, if we want in the future more people to be healthy entrepreneurs, uh, you know, when they already start taking drugs from a very small age, when they grow up, what happens to those people if they believe that it's not them taking this, you know, if not, they're not responsible for, for their behavior, it's something, you know, chemicals in their brain are responsible for their behavior, you see? So, so that, that's my sort of point of view uh, on, on, on drugs. But I understand if people are clinically depressed, maybe, maybe the, the only option for them is actually to take drugs.
1: Um, these are, these are, these are big questions and entrepreneurs tend to be focused on the next six months. Um, so I, I I think for the entrepreneurs who are listening to your podcast, what I would say is do whatever you can to be well have uh, good sleep hygiene, exercise daily. Um, don't go over the deep end as a workaholic, take some breaks and keep yourself refreshed and restored. Maintain supportive uh, social relationships with friends, family, loved ones. Um, don't make the mistake of confusing your business with your entire identity. It's just an enterprise. It's not you. You, (laughs) you're bigger than that. So keep it all in perspective. And then if you are for, for one reason or another, experiencing significant emotional problems or symptoms that are interfering with your functioning ask for help Uh, ask a kind of a a licensed trained mental health professional um, for help just the same way you ask a lawyer for help about figuring out your um, operating agreements and you ask uh, consultants for help around strategy and tactics. And you ask engineers for help around automating work processes, and you um, ask accountants for help in uh, managing, you know, cash flow and uh, reporting. Mental health people are just another kind of consultant in your in your uh, at your disposal to provide resources, you need to be a more effective entrepreneur. And, you know, like what I said at the beginning is that your greatest strength is your greatest weakness and that the motivation, creativity, energy drive that you have that kind of uh, propels you into being an effective entrepreneur can, under the right circumstances, be associated with some of the bigger you know, bigger and badder mental health, uh, symptoms. If you get to that point, uh, first do everything proactively to prevent it. If it does happen, don't mess around. Um, do just deal with it head on? And there are solutions out there that, that work for you. Um, yeah. And, and I, you know, I don't personally, I think it's not a great use of time to, um, Debate the, um, you know, the enterprise, sort of the political economy of the enterprise of mental health. Yeah. Because um, that's not really relevant to entrepreneurs. What's relevant to entrepreneurs is can they be well? Can they be happy? Can they be healthy? Can they have good business outcomes? And can they have good life outcomes? So I just try to focus on those Result delivering those results.
0: So, what what can inter- entrepreneurs do uh, during the COVID pandemic? Because obviously, w- what's happening right now it's 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 unprecedented, right? And um, a lot of entrepreneurs I interview they uh, they try to pivot, they try to find new business models that will work in these difficult times. How they can safeguard um, their mental health during COVID pandemic.
1: It's very difficult, and I give everybody a lot of credit who's out there right now coping with this. Um, There are lots and lots and lots of businesses that have closed and are just not going to come back. And uh, many of the other businesses um, are either winners or losers. Some businesses are exploding right now because of the pandemic. A good example is collaboration software you're in the podcast business that's a great place to be podcasts are way up because um everything else is way down <laughs> so <laughs> there, there's a de- there's more demand for content now than there than there ever was if you're in netflix you're cashing in but um on the other hand if I
0: think you're it's, we are discussing it at, at the moment, not me, I haven't monetized it yet. I
1: think okay.
0: is, is making money, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but
1: yeah, now, somebody's figuring it out. Netflix is figuring it out, yes, iHeartRadio is figuring it out. There, there are podcast companies out there that are just going, yeah. going gangbusters. Um, but in a lot of, uh, a lot of businesses um you have to pivot pretty hard in order to just maintain your current business for example as you said i am a psychiatrist i have not seen a patient in my office since march i've had to pivot a hundred percent of my clinical care that i provide on some kind of platform so that's a big pivot i've had to change my operations but um as far as my business model, it's about the same as it always was, and it's, and but you know it involved learning new technologies, developing new relationships, all kinds of, all kinds of stress involved in, in, in making an abrupt change in your business model, um, and then um, other other companies are having to like downsize, right size, refocus around some products you know in your product mix can survive and other other products can't lots of layoffs happening it's a very very hard time for entrepreneurs
0: yeah but michael you also in you know, a serial entrepreneur and um you're a psychiatrist have you ever suffered from anxiety or depression yourself and how do you manage your mental health
1: yeah um
0: Because you're not immune to this, I'm sure you're not immune. uh, No, no, I'm
1: definitely not immune. No, you're you're absolutely right. I, um, I feel all the same emotions as everybody else. In fact, I'm starting a company right now, and so I'm back on the roller coaster. And we're having a great day, and we're having a horrible day, and we're about to. In ninety minutes, we're going to be providing this great program that I'm so excited about. But on the other hand. I wish we had like another 20 people in the room. And so, you know, it's very emotional uh, for me, just like everybody else. I like that, actually. Uh, and uh, in Econa, we're a team of people. All Everybody in our team is uh, an entrepreneur. And so we're entrepreneurs taking care of entrepreneurs. And so we get to have self-awareness as we go through the process. So I go through the normal ups and downs. And then, under in not not yet with this business, but in prior businesses, in when there were like big inflection points, I've had big emotional reactions myself. So yes, that's um, true. How do I manage it? Um, well, fortunately, I have an advantage that a lot of people in entrepreneurship don't have, which is age. I'm older than the average entrepreneur. And that means I've got more perspective and life experience. That actually helps a lot because I think for a lot of people, as you get older, you don't take yourself so seriously and you don't take these situations so seriously. So for younger entrepreneurs, particularly those in their late twenties and in their thirties, I would say, a, a, a mental health strategy that I use that you could use is keep it in perspective it's just an enterprise it's not you and also keep uh, keep some perspective around um, the most of the reasons that companies fail have very little or nothing to do with you as an entrepreneur Uh, all those companies that just got wiped out by the pandemic had nothing to do with them as an entrepreneur. So, you know, you're the, the raft in the in the racing river and as you can navigate your raft pretty well, but you can't control how much water is flowing through the river at any given moment. That's that's beyond your control and it changes all the time. Um, and then in terms of my own mental health, I do Everything I already told you, everything on that list, I do. Um, I worked out for an hour before the podcast this morning. I do that every morning first thing. Um, I got to bed on time last night so that I could get more than eight hours of sleep before exercising, before coming on the podcast. Um, I uh, maintain relationships with my group of friends that and most of my like inner circle of friends they're vaguely aware i'm an entrepreneur but it's not really part of the part of the relationship and so i've got a whole like social circle that has nothing to do with uh, entrepreneurship and that my identity as a person is not tied up in whether i'm my the business is like doing great or not doing so great um there are people I can talk to uh, about personal issues, so I, I can be vulnerable and I can open up with my wife, for example, and um, my siblings, and also some close personal friends who are who are confidants. Um, I uh, I have follow a healthy diet. Um, your listeners should know that. There are actually antidepressant benefits associated with the Mediterranean diet, as well as all the other health benefits. So I follow so a Mediterranean diet. Yes. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, hardcore wellness is what mm-hmm. I do. Um, and I
0: guess prevention is better than cure.
1: Right? Prevention is better than cure. That's my mantra. That. Um, even for everybody, let's say you're one of those people who had a prior history of anxiety or depression. Um, prevention is better than cure. There's a lot of things that you can do that reduce the likelihood you're going to continue having anxiety and depression while you're an entrepreneur. So that's that's kind of how how I manage it, you know, myself.
0: Yeah. So, what's your vision for Econa?
1: Vision Free Kona is to, number one, normalize mental health differences among entrepreneurs. I would like to reduce the shame and stigma associated with mental health by making it clear that the people we rely on as an economy for jobs are the same people that have anxiety, depression, come from families where there's mental health issues, have been psychiatric in psychiatric hospitals, do have suicidal ideation. So, destigmatize by having the conversation that you and I are having right now. Uh, secondly, create resources for entrepreneurs themselves to be well. Um, I, like you just said, I think prevention is better than cure. And so, we're trying to create a lot of resources that are focused on prevention, and that includes. Primary prevention, like all the wellness strategies and skills that you can use, but then also secondary prevention. If you know that you're someone who's prone to anxiety, kind of walking in the door, what are the specific things that you can learn, skills and self care skills, that you can learn to uh, improve your outcomes as someone? who has always been anxious. And the program that we're gonna be producing in 90 minutes is all about self-care skills for people with ADHD. A lot of entrepreneurs have ADHD. That leads to issues with organization, focus, Mm -hmm. task execution, follow through, um, uh, listening to people, um, time management. And there are a lot of self-care skills and strategies that you can use as an entrepreneur with ADHD to kind of reduce the negative impacts while you still take advantage of the creativity and the energy and the motivation and the extroversion and all of those positive things that go along with ADHD. So self-care skills training. Um, we are heading into creating support groups for people that have more serious Issues, uh, support groups around, um, you know, addiction issues, support groups around depression, anxiety, uh, all of the above. It turns out, if you have one, the odds are you might have two mental health conditions at the same time. Yeah. Um, and we have in mind, you know, some intensive training programs, uh, possibly use of apps. So. Uh, and then community, we, we'd like to create a, a forum, a community in which there's a forum you can go to to open up and be vulnerable so that you don't have to keep it to yourself all the time. So community support as well. That's, that's kind of how we're thinking about it. Those are the, Those are the products on our product roadmap, if you will
0: yeah no it's it's it, it, it sounds great and i i will i will put the link uh, in the podcast notes to to the website so people okay. can listen can can check it out because i've looked at the website and congr- congratulations you just launched it it's it's looking great but uh, yeah definitely it's it a platform for entrepreneurs to um, uh, to check out that that's for sure who wants to Take some I don't know proactive approach to managing their own mental health, but uh, just to wrap up, uh, what would be your sort of final word to entrepreneurs out there who wants to start a business or maybe who already started a business starting entrepreneurs because I think this is the most difficult time the first couple of years is uh, is the most difficult you know ment- you know time mentally um, for people.
1: For early stage entrepreneurs, I would, if I could give two suggestions, one would be make wellness a priority, that checklist I just went through. And the second would be to create your own personal advisory board. And on your advisory board are a couple people whose job it is to keep you well. And then on your advisory board are a couple people who are your executive coaches and mentors for the business. And if you've got to remember that if you're not doing your personal best as far as you're functioning as a human, you're not going to be able to effectively lead the organization. So you need both. And on your um, your wellness advisory board, it would be a loved one, a best friend, um, uh, if uh, possibly a therapist of some kind if you already know that you're vulnerable around mental health. And I would, Talk to those people as frequently as you talk to the business coaches and the business advisors as well, just so that you have some support. Along those lines, um, I really think that peer support groups are a great idea. And if you and uh, five or six other um, business founders can meet once a month for four hours or twice a month for two hours, and just check in with each other and support each other, and then support each other around getting mental health help if it's needed. That can be a very stabilizing uh, aspect of launching a business as well. So th- those would be like the where I would start if you're an early stage entrepreneur.
0: No, thank you so much, Michael, for coming to the program and sharing your views. Um, been I do have one pleasure. more recommendation. Huh?
1: recommendation. I, I do have one more. Yeah, okay. the other recommendation would be to listen to Katarina's podcast and <laughs> get a lot of great ideas out of her podcast. So keep listening.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. And all the best with Icona. And I'm sure I'll be checking it out. And, and hopefully in the future I'll be part of it as
1: well. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. That would be great. We do have... Um, uh, academic researchers involved in our in our advisory board, and we hope eventually to have enough data to um, be able to, uh, you know, do some some good research just uh, through Econa. So it's on it's on the horizon. It's not today's problem, but yeah. uh, we love being involved with um, people, thoughtful people, and research oriented, scientifically minded people. Who want to help create this emotional safety net for for entrepreneurs? So, yeah, thanks for have... the work you do too.
0: No, that definitely. Thank thank you so much for being on the podcast, and uh, all the best
1: luck with Econa. Thanks so much. All Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Mental Wealth Entrepreneurs Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this show. Please send me any comments or feedback. If you're an entrepreneur and want to share your story, please contact me. The link is in the podcast show notes. Also, please see the social media links and uh, links to offers from my guests on the podcast notes. This podcast is sponsored by Smart Octopus Voice Agency, who create chatbots and voice skills on Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. So I'm really excited uh, to tell you that this podcast is now available as an Alexa skill. Uh, so you can search for resilient entrepreneur uh, skill and enable it as a flash briefing. So that's all from me. Uh, I, wish, I wish you good mental health and you are just one mind hack away. Till next time.